Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NFL. Play fake. Fires it to Edelman who drops. It's intercepted. Off of Edelman and picked by the Honey Badger. Pick six. Tyron Matthew pick six. Julian Edelman last year led the National Football League in drops. He's such a great receiver, but he lost concentration. Rodgers alone with the gun. Takes the snap on third down. Protection holds up initially. Rodgers waits, throws. Right side, got a man wide open. Touchdown, and it's Robert Tanyan again. Dancing in the right corner of the end zone. The undefeated teams improved to 4-0. and First you heard the pick six as the Chiefs beat the Patriots 26-10. New England had a lot of chances in that game. They had a lot of chances. A couple drives in the red zone, and Hoyer messed them up before he got pulled. And then you heard the Packers improved to 4-0 as they down the Atlanta Falcons 30-16. Atlanta did good stuff. Goal line stands, but not nearly enough. No. Robert Tonyan, three touchdown catches. He was uh, That was the... Uh, a highlight in that game. But the possibilities were there for New England and Atlanta. You could see their chance. It's a game of inches. Passes getting broken up, batted away in the end zone because they're just a little off target. <laughs> it's a game of inches, PK. What sport is it? Right? Golf. No. <clears throat> Golf's a game of inches. Baseball is it? No, baseball's definitely a game of inches. The difference between a home run and a foul ball is usually... I don't know, quarter of an inch, half an inch. Foul is straight back or hit it to dead center field. We'll get to that in a minute. So the Chiefs and Packers improved to 4-0. and oh. At the other end of the spectrum, you got the Texans. They're 0-4. It seemed inevitable after the trade, PK. You ship off your wide receiver, star wide receiver to Arizona for nearly nothing, and Bill O'Brien starts 0-4, and he's out. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Won four division titles, but was never in the AFC title game of the Super Bowl. So... We know the NFL's been finding coaches on the sideline for not wearing masks, but now they're finding players at charity events for uh, breaking coronavirus protocols as well. Players were massless at a charity event for uh, Darren Waller's foundation at a, a country club in suburban Henderson, Nevada. So Waller got fined $30,000. Nine of his teammates were fined 15000 each, including Derek Carr. PK, I think they're serious about these games. These games, follow the money, right? The games are worth a lot of money. If you guys test positive, a game could go away. We're, we're going to do everything we can and not let that happen. Follow the money. And so wearing masks prevents all this stuff? Are we uh, you know, it's a, it's, no, well, number one, it's not a guarantee. And number two, wearing the mask is more effective for you. You know, if, if I wear a mask, that doesn't protect me from yak. That more protects yak from me. You sure? That's what I've been told. <laughs> That's what I thought. Yeah, right? So, I mean, <laughs> six months from now, am I going to be told something different? I don't know. Maybe. Six months ago, I was being told something different. So, But that's the theory they're going on, and that's why they're finding players right now. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. 
I'm not really worried about that. Just trying to, like I said before, just trying to focus on uh, getting done this week and, and, and getting things accomplished, you know, and, and proving as a team. I've asked the players not to worry about that, not to look at the, uh, the, the, all the media attention that we get. We, we don't worry about it before the season. Why worry about it during? And so trying to keep our team focused. We have a, a good mature group, a veteran group. So we're looking forward to these guys leading the way. And, and I'm excited to see how we, you know, go into game four and, and, and um, how we improve as a team. So that's the focus. Not really focused on anything else but that just trying to stay humble as a team and then stay hungry and on things that we need to accomplish we have a lot to prove still Kalani Sataki saying there's a lot to prove and it's clear he doesn't want the big head to start uh, jumping up and biting here and waste uh waste an opportunity PK well that's good because I look forward to every media session on Monday when somebody asked him tell us about Zach Wilson and then how are you handling all this publicity He'll answer the Zach Wilson thing, but he's not answering the other one. So don't waste your time. It seems like it's every week, even not if not, in fact, multiple times during the week. They're asking him about the start and the rating and the ranking and the exposure and blah, 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 blah. He just won't have any of it. I appreciate what he's doing. He's not going to get involved in that. So it's a waste of time to ask him about it. That's all true. Now, do you think you're going to hear it next week anyway? Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, because who's to say now these Zoom things that can attract uh, greater attention? I mean, they, for a national person who is interested in writing about it or talking about it, it, this Zoom stuff is giving you more access than you've ever had because normally it's just out there, you know, in front of a BYU logo, whatever it might be, and it's done on Monday and the guys and gals are around him. Well, now none of that's happening, so it's available over the electronic way and in that way you could be anywhere in the world and participate so i wouldn't be surprised if momentum goes and grows i mean i'm listening to this uh college sports thing that they've got on my satellite and they're talking about byu every day i'm, I'm not texted uh, yak neuheisel the guy I've, I've literally followed since he was a teenager because we grew up in the same area and we're virtually the same age and uh, he grew up, went to Tempe, McClintock High, and he was, you know, he was a three-sport star then. Anyway, I'm getting off track. But the point is, I followed him for a long time, and he is singing BYU's praises constantly on his show. And I listened to it, uh, not every day, but I listened to it yesterday. And he's guaranteeing that Zach Wilson will play in the NFL. So this, we're basically just barely getting started, I think, on the momentum and the wave of BYU. So this is a question that I suspect will be presented to the players and coaches many times over in the coming weeks, obviously as long as they win. Not going to argue with Rick Neuheisel when he guarantees an NFL quarterback, right? Don't argue with Rick Neuheisel about quarterback play? Well, you never really know. I mean, we've just seen that so many times. Uh, guys that just either they get overlooked out of coming out of high school or they get overlooked coming out of college. So I can't guarantee anything. It looks like he's an NFL guy. I was told early on, three, four years ago, that he had that potential. So I've been I've been a believer in Zach Wilson, uh, but you know, I can't guarantee, and I don't have the expertise that Neuheisel has. So uh, he's, he's certainly trumpeting it right now. Arizona Wildcats coach Kevin Sumlin has tested positive for COVID-19. His quote, my family and I have been aggressive in our efforts to remain safe and healthy throughout the past seven months. My positive test result, while a shock, is a stark reminder of how we must all remain vigilant in our focus on hand washing, physical distance, distancing, and face coverings. I'm feeling well, and we'll be engaged in our ramp-up activities on a virtual basis until I complete the isolation protocol. 
So a little setback there for the Arizona Wildcats. Sumlin will be out for a while, but back presumably before the game since the Pac-12 is still uh, a month away now. Month? Well, I guess there'll probably be a game a month from tonight, right? Friday night opener? Or are they all Saturdays week one? Do you have that memorized, PK? I don't know if there's any games that Saturday yeah. night. They've talked about the 6th or the 7th. They're 6th and the 7th, so I don't know if they scheduled them specifically, but uh, they're there. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. I've always been a guy who kind of let his game do the talking, but when guys get to talking, I can do that as well. But I've always tried to let my game do the talking. Some guys are like to talk their way through through the basketball game. I think it helps them out personally. There's always communication going on on the floor. For me personally, as long as I don't get disrespectful, I'm fine with it. Um, but I've never really started up a, a, a trash-talking dialogue. That's just not me. I believe you know the way I play the game is enough trash-talking in itself. LeBron James talking about the, uh, well, all those questions in reference to Game 3. You're in trouble now. Game 4 is tonight. Lakers are up 2-1. to one. Miami's trying to tie it up. Bam Adebayo is questionable tonight. Next string, keeping him out of Games 2 and 3. Game's on ABC tonight. Uh, I assume the Lakers are bouncing back here tonight, PK. You assuming the same thing? I assume nothing. Not situation. No, I can't assume anything because I'm not sure about the health of two critical components. And I don't think the Lakers are a great, great super team. One for the ages, any of that stuff. So uh, they have to have a lot of guys play well. And Anthony Davis only scored 15 in what uh, was that Sunday night. So that's not nearly good enough. I mean, anytime those two stars go for 60 combining, I expect them to win. If they don't, then they're very much beatable. Two-time NBA All-Star guard Isaiah Thomas said he's feeling as healthy as he has in some time after recovering from hip resurfacing procedure. I don't know what that is, but that doesn't sound good. However, Isaiah Thomas had it, and he's all pumped up about it. It's like night and day for me. There's no more pain. I've got my full range of motion for three years. I was trying to play the best players in the world on one leg. I needed help from my kids to put on socks in the morning. I feel like I'm 31 years old again, and now I have scientific evidence to show that. Hip resurfacing procedure. If this turns him back into an all-star, maybe we're going to have the Isaiah Thomas thing like we got the Tommy John surgery. Because the Tommy John surgery, you know, at that point was this massive... Leap forward technology. Yeah, it'd have to be the IT procedure. Hip resurfacing. Yikes. Newly hired Philadelphia 76ers coach Doc Rivers says, I love coaching. I absolutely love it. But I was not going to coach just anybody. I can tell you that. I was ready to take a break. Just depended on the team that was available. And if that team, in my opinion, was ready to win. You look at these players, these young players and potential. The fact they've had so much success in so many ways at the ages they are already. And where I think they can go, for me, it's a job you just couldn't turn down. That's just stuff coaches say, PK. It doesn't feel like the 76ers are about to go anywhere, does it? Sixers to the NBA Finals. Well, how long is he going to be there and what players are going to be there? I mean, things can change rapidly rad- rapidly, and radically. Uh, obviously, quickly. So, right now, but, you know, who's to say in a year or two? Yeah, just look at his time in the Clippers and how much the roster changed there, right? And he kind of had like three different generations of Clipper teams. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Yeah, Chris Paul and Blake Griffin, that that was like one era. Yeah, And then they had kind of the no-name 
grinders as they move those two guys. And then you got this last year with Kawhi Leonard, and that's a different group with Paul George. Yes. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Here's the pitch. And he hits this one high in the air, center field. Sending Lariano back. He's on the warning track. It's gone! Correa's second jack! The Astros lead 8-5 on a bomb to center field. The 2-2. Swung on and hit in the air to deep center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. It's a grand slam. A Stantonian home run to blow the game wide open. He drove the ball to dead center and out. Giancarlo. No si puesto parlo. He hits a grand slam and the Yankees now have a 9-3 lead. American League Division Series. The Yankees and the Astros claim game ones. A lot of home runs in these games. The uh, Yankee-Tampa Bay game got to 4-3 to three pretty early. Both starting pitchers. They, they got to both starting pitchers, home runs for both teams and all that. But then it sat on 4-3 forever. And in the ninth inning, uh, Stanton with the grand slam uh, to break it open. But there were, there were some classic shots in the, uh, in the dugout. Aaron Judge. Uh, had a chance to break the game open and had a shot of him back in the dugout afterwards, and he was just talking himself. He just couldn't believe he'd missed a chance to be the hero and break it open. Turned out he was just letting Stanton do it. Yeah, well, the Grand Slam obviously did break it open for sure, yeah. How many players have there been who are that tall? I mean, they stand at home plate, and they're just so imposing. And some of the guys who have reputations as being bigger players, they were in like that 6'1", 6'2", range. These guys just... It looked like they're just up there s- s- swinging a, a, a toothpick and just hammering the ball. They're so big and so strong. Yeah, it's funny. My wife said, how big is he yeah, right. when uh, Aaron Judge was up? Last night we were having dinner, had the game on, and uh, she asked that. Yeah, I said, it does, he does look enormous. He looks about 6'8 in that range. And uh, sure, he does look intimidating. But at the same time, most of your pitchers are well over 6 feet too. You know, I'm not in six three to six five range themselves. The game has gotten bigger. Finding bigger, stronger, faster athletes. Yeah. All right, today there is uh, there's four playoff games. It starts with the Marlins and the Braves. National League starting with game one of their division series today. It'll be game two in the American Leagues. Marlins and Braves have the noon game. Uh, the National League's on FS1. The Padres and Dodgers play at 7.30. And then the American League is on TBS. It's the Astros and the A's at 2.30 and the Yankees and the Rays at 6. Go Marlins. Go Marlins? That'd be funny if they won again. Keep that perfect record intact. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's crazy. What are they, won nine playoff series in Correct. a row? Yeah. The only ones that they've been in. It's, I think I saw it uh, after they uh, beat uh, who they beat the Cubs. I think I saw it was the fourth longest streak having won that many playoff series in a row. But this is over many, many years, too. C-Sports Illustrated did a thing ranking all 16 matchups of the World Series. Yankees and Dodgers, number one. How predictable. Marlins and Astros, dead last. That was the one they absolutely didn't want to see. Yeah, I get it. If you're just going for widespread viewership and all that stuff and interest. They were looking for sizzle and storylines and, you know, all that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, that would be at the bottom. I thought that they might go athletics, though, because the Astros having a storyline with the cheating might generate some more interest as opposed to whatever the athletics can generate. They actually had uh, the Oakland uh, L.A. series, Dodgers and Athletics, uh, since Oakland has last won it 31 years ago and the Dodgers 32 years ago, and then you could pull out the Kirk Gibson video. Like, that isn't shown every year anyway. But uh, they had that ranked pretty highly as one that would be a pretty attractive World Series. So, all right, there's what's trending. Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up today, 8 o'clock, Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver, will join us. Frank Dolce. Former Utah quarterback will join us at 8.30, talk Pac-12 schedule. There's, uh, we got a question up on our Facebook page. The third version of the Pac-12 schedule is up. This is the one presumably they'll play, mostly, probably. And we will get to that, your reactions to that next. Stay with us, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's go! The Big Show. It's a big with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. The fact that BYU had to wad up their most difficult schedule they've ever had and just throw it into the garbage can and scramble is just nuts. So I'm going to enjoy watching this team play well, and I'm confident in saying that I think this is a really good team. I understand the circumstance, but I just don't know if I can fully jump onto that. They have been impressive. I just don't know because they're playing Bo Diddley Tech. I'm not claiming BYU should be in the playoff. I'm just claiming we should acknowledge that was a dumb performance. We can say good game, Tyler Algiers. We can say Kairos Tonga dominated without the yeah, but. That's all I'm saying. The Big Show. Weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK is brought to you in part by Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Question of the morning, generating a lot of interest on our Facebook page. For the third time this year, the Pac-12 schedule is out. What's your prediction for the youth? Not just for the youths, PK. Whose youths? Our youths. Our youths. In the Pac-12, there are youths. They're not our Oregon State Beavers or our Washington no. State Cougars. That They're don't make no certainly sense. Certainly not our USC Trojans. Please. No. Come on. Matt says if they go 3-0 and defeat USC, national media will suddenly remember they're the two-time defending South Division champs and begin to overrank them again. I think national media already knows that. They have not forgotten. I think the conference office knows that. Isn't that what the Oregon State crossover game says? Uh, It says it to an extent, but I think there's other factors. You know, they had to make sure that each team got three home games. Yep. And so depending on how many games that you had at home versus your South Division foes, so they didn't want others to have four. So there's more than just simply scheduling. I know Canzano's running that theory, and Canzano's your new uh, the herd dude. You take everything he says as 100% gospel. But I think there's more to it than that. They have to go ahead and they had to go ahead and make sure that 
that each team had the amount of same games and then going down the road they didn't want to upset that as far as uh, the crossover games in the future years so all that led to them to Oregon State but I don't know if that says anything as far as that goes because you know when it started out oh they get to play Cal and they don't have to play Stanford and Stanford's really good and they lost to Cal and uh or, yeah they lost to Cal and beat Stanford so I'm not going to go crazy on that stuff Brian says BYU, Utah, CFP semifinal. That'd be so cool. <laughs> that would be. It's not going to happen, but that would be so cool. Do you think they'll rearrange the bowl games this year to at least set that up? Trying to maybe minimize travel and uh, maximize audience? Because they got all these contracts in place that usually preclude stuff like that from happening. Once in a while, you get lucky, you know, and the Vegas Bowl happened a few years ago, so... It's not impossible. This seems unlikely. Well, I think this year BYU would be the team disappointed to play the Utes. We know that uh, years back when they did play in the Vegas Bowl, was it 2015, that it was the Utes who were all bitter and disappointing, figuring that they could uh, get a better bowl. They had a ranked team and blah, blah, blah. But they got slotted in that game. But this year... It's BYU fans who have visions of uh, greater access to bowls. Now, Utah may have it, too. It's just that they haven't played any games yet. So they literally have a 0-0 zero and zero record. So in, uh, by the time we get to Thanksgiving, you know, they may be thinking, hey, we got a shot at one of these other things, too. Hopefully they do, because then it will just create all sorts of great interest and fun to talk about as we get into December. And as we've said a million times, that's way more fun to talk about than teams playing out the string. So uh, for right now, I think that they, they would view that, BYU fans would view that as a disappointment because it's all about the big-time bowls. I'm really interested to see what happens with the Vegas Bowl and how that is developing over the course of time. And does that become, you could see it, could it become the premier non-Rose Bowl destination for a non-New uh, Year's Six? Or does it work its way into that even? You know, what can, with the stadium now, what can that Vegas Bowl become? I think it can be that. You know, obviously, if you, I guess you'd probably rather go Fiesta, right? So I think the non-New Year's Six. You know, it's playoff, Rose, Fiesta. But then when you get to the quote-unquote, I don't know what they are, the normal, the usual, uh, Pac-12 Bowls. I just Bowls. Yeah, the, well, right now, the, the, at times it's been the Alamo. Before that, it was the Holiday. And I think the Vegas. Bowls. Right. But Vegas can top all of those. The Alamo is hard to get revved up. It's hard to get a lot of your fan base going somewhere. And you've been to enough bowl games, you know, when there's three or 4,000 fans, it feels one way. But you go somewhere and there's 10 or 20,000 fans, it feels differently. Now, if you get to 50,000 in the Fiesta Bowl, that's totally off the charts. And I think Vegas, because it's drivable for a lot of schools, it won't just be one school that could look forward to going there. You know, it could be several. Now, the, the problem is it's still usually going to be a, what, probably a three-loss team. Once in a while, a little better. Once well, in a while, yeah, a little I know, worse. but for now, that's what I'm saying. But I'm I, talking 10, yeah. 15 years down the road. But we just went to the Alamo Bowl, and it was fun, but it was a long way to go. How many people could go? Well, I think it was packed. They were just all with the burnt orange. <laughs> right, because it was drivable. And I think Vegas, certainly if you're a Pac-12 South school, um, 
that could be a big deal. And if you get a good enough team out of the SEC where you get a, a brand-name opponent. I don't know where it's going to fit in their pecking order. They don't really do the pecking order thing as much as they assign teams. So what kind of teams are they routinely going to assign? Are they going to be assigning 7-5, and 8-4 and four teams, or are they going to be assigning a 10-2 a and two team? Yeah, see, I don't think that it's going to be the teams that make baseball. We know BYU basically gave life to a dying, literally a dying Vegas Bowl when they got sent there, what was it, four years or five years in a row, whenever it was, when Broncos started going, getting get some really good teams there. I don't think that's what's going to happen to the Vegas Bowl. I think the Vegas Bowl is going to rise on its own merit. It's in Vegas. It's in the Raiders Stadium. It's the newest, shiniest thing, and it will be supplanted, but it will still be shiny for a good while. And so I think it's the destination this time uh, that will actually make the bowl as opposed to the participants making the bowl. So I don't even know how long the, the SEC will have a contract for it and how much they're willing to do it. Is this a trial basis? So I think it's just going to be the Vegas destination. And, and Vegas, although obviously anybody, you can drive anywhere in, in the Continental, but I think that the number of flights to Vegas and the accessibility with the airport just to literally a mile away from the Strip, I think that it's that drivable in this case, really is not going to impact it as far as where the bowl can go. It's going to be the destination, the party town at a party time of year, and how big do they want it and how far it can move up the pecking order. I mean, because I can speak from the birth of the Fiesta Bowl, having lived there. Now, it was uh, formed before I got there, but it was basically formed, the story goes, that the Devils had a great team, but they had no bowl to go to. And so somebody came up with the idea, well, let's play one here. Now, it seems so outrageous that they hadn't had that before they did it because of the weather, obviously. And look at it now. It's just blossomed into a really a big-time game. And I think a lot of it isn't due to the fact of the participants in the bowl. It's the weather. And Vegas, uh, Phoenix is a little bit better weather. It's a little warmer in the winter but Vegas has stuff that nobody else has. So that's what I'm real curious to see over time. Where are we in 5, 10, 15 years with this bowl? How much does it go up the totem pole? Because I think the you talk about the, the potential of it. I think it can be really, really big. It can, it can wedge its way in there. Maybe even, uh, maybe even a playoff destination. Why not? There's no reason, really. All the it's yeah. an it's like you said it's party time town at a party time of year. I think the opponent yeah, matters. The accessibility in the yeah. hotels are off the charts, and that is really key when you're somewhere where everything's spread out and it's hard to get around. It's much easier yeah. airport hotel game, and it's all right together, and nothing gets I mean, lost. You don't even need a car, right? And I think the the thing is that it creates the energy because if you have a lot of fans there and they're all milling around, it creates a real buzz and it and it gets people going. Yeah, and so people might want to go even in the early times of this new bowl destination at a seven and five. Hey, let's go to Vegas. Who doesn't want to go to Vegas? You know, enough people. There's a lot, a lot of people who don't want to go to Vegas, particularly on our side of the country because we've been there a million times. But other places. Uh, well, that's the great. draw. Will it SEC? And like you say, if the contract changes down the line and it's the Big Twelve or the Big Ten or whoever, are they going to send a good enough team that it creates some buzz? 
And are they going to send? And then are the people from those schools going to think, hey, yeah, why not? Didn't Wisconsin have a series with UNLV for a while? I think they went there a couple times. You know, it was a big deal. And I remember seeing Wisconsin in a bowl game in Tucson. And, you know, some of those, it's, uh, it's like you always talk about with Gonzaga. They always, and Arizona basketball. Those people plan their vacations. They got their vacation budget, and they plan it for the NCAA tournament. Well, they're going to be sending the schools where that's what the fan base does with the bowl game, and they just go wherever it is. Because you get those kind of fan bases, and then you got a lot of energy in Vegas. There's stuff to do. Everybody's in a compact area. Everybody's running around with their school gear on, you know, shirts, jackets, caps, whatever. And it creates a buzz and some excitement, and it's fun. We don't have to worry about that with the Utes this year. It's more about Pasadena. Nice. Actually, that's not where the predictions are going. we got a lot of predictions here from people. Brian, they're replacing a lot of talent from last year. They're young. They should go at least 4-2, and two, possibly 5-1. and one. USC and ASU will be the key games to determining the South champ. That is the chalk pick right there, PK. That is, by the book, 5-1, and one, USC and ASU, 4-2, and two, worst case, 6-0, and oh, best case. Split the difference and go 5-1. and one. That they're not going to mess up any of these other games, Arizona, UCLA, Colorado, the Oregon State crossover game. I don't think they are. USC is the only game I call a likely loss, Calvin says. Arizona teams always seem to be toss-ups, even when they shouldn't be. I'll say 4-2. and two. Yeah, I think they've been kicking the crap out of Arizona. Yeah, they have uh, been. And Arizona's defense isn't very good, and the youths will be able to run the ball. They're going to have a good old line that Kyle's been talking that up, and usually when he talks something up, he's right about it. So if you have a good old line against a bad defense, you'll probably score a bunch of points. Brett says, best case to go 4-2, and two, worst case, 3-3. Three and three. This is an opinion slash prediction, and I could be totally wrong. Yeah, that's all predictions are. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> but at least he comes you, clean. You, well, you don't need that disclaimer because that's just, uh, that's for all of us. That stands for all of us. We've all had ones where we've looked like we know what the hell we're talking about, and then we've all had stuff where we look like blithering idiots. Dallas will not win this series. Four times in a row before they win the title. Oh, the Mavs, yeah. Brooks. Now, we had this earlier with the, remember when we had something about the Cougars and the youths were just condescending? Oh, it was yesterday. The youths were just condescending beyond belief. Brooks, six cute games and a nice buffet dinner at the end of the season for the seniors. Ah, That's some serious condescension there, Brooks. Way to load that thing up. (laughs) What does that mean, though? Well, first off, it's wrong. They're going to get a seventh cute game. It means the Pac-12 started late. You know what all over themselves. Messed this season up. Is only playing half a season. It's not real. There's no real prize at the end. And then the nice buffet dinner, you know, is the team banquet. And they give out some awards, and everybody can have an orange slice and a trophy. And yeah, That's what I think Brooks is getting at. I do think they should have started earlier. I think, uh, you know, Kyle clearly felt that he could have got up, gone on Halloween, if not the week before. And I think they should have let those teams go and then built in buys. So you had some maneuverability in case of co- 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 COVID, and that would be the better way to do it. And you can generate some earlier publicity because it does seem way, way late when everybody else will already have one, two, at least three games you get some conferences will have four, five, six games. 
Yep. Seems silly. It is late. Uh, and especially because the game changer quote, you can trace back to September 3rd. And you're like, well, then why did it take two months? You knew it was a game changer because you told us. We didn't discover it. You told us it was a game changer. And then you had pause for like three weeks. I don't get the pause. If you want to be really cautious and safety first, okay. But on September 3rd, you told us you had the game changer. So I don't get the three-week delay. And to your point, you know, because they've been build, playing a couple you weeks You build earlier. in some flexibility yeah. for the inevitable. Because it's clear it's going to happen. Joe Blow, the team manager, whomever gets it, and then panic sets in because some kid got something that he stands a 99% chance of, to recover from. So you have the opportunity then to move stuff around. Now you don't. Nope. There may be teams that end up playing um, five or six games instead of playing mm-hmm. seven. Yeah. That's why for me this season, it's not a wash, but I'm not going to make any just drastic evaluations on programs. Uh, even if the Devils go seven, six, and one, I'm like, wow, they've arrived, man. Look out. This is without doubt the best hire they've ever made, blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to do that because I just think it has the potential to be really crazy and nuts. And so I want to get back to the regular cycle, whether that's next year or the year after. And I suppose next year will be more, will be closer to regular, even if it's not 100%. So I'm not going to go nuts no matter what happens this truncated season. I'm just going to enjoy it and just have fun with it. And the fact that I, starting November 6th or 7th or both days, I get to watch Pac-12 football, that's pretty cool for me because I've literally done it every year since I've been a teen, and it's mattered to me, and I've had so much fun with it, and it's been the number one thing that I've enjoyed in terms of sports viewership in the fall for me over the NFL. And so I'm going to enjoy it, but I'm not going to go crazy on it. If uh, I'm not going to bury teams for losing, and I'm not going to just go nuts and just say this team's awesome and all that. I'm just going to have fun with it. So you're going to know right away how good the Devils are going to be, right? USC week one, Cal week two? In this situation. But if they go 2-0, and and sure, that'd be great. But I just, I, I'm not going to take it. Oh, man, they've really arrived as a program. Herm is without question turned it around because I just don't think it's fair. It's not everyone's not coming at it from the same standpoint, and there's nothing that's fair. I've said that. I hate that word fair because there's no such thing. You can have uh, isolation or isolated cases of fairness, but once you start applying fairness across the board, it just isn't true. There's just there's no such thing. You got to make your way in the world, knowing that for you it may not be fair, and if you sit there and whine about it, well, then. You, it's going to suck even more. So you, some people have to work harder to be, be successful than others because of their circumstances. We know that. All sorts of stuff. So, sure, yeah, that's a, those are two tough games, teams that will be picked, I think, uh, first and second. But so be it, man. All right, hit us up with your uh, responses here. The schedule is out. What's your prediction for the Utes? What are you thinking? How is this going to play out? Tanner says they definitely got the easiest crossover game of the Pac-12. Yeah, we don't, I don't know that. I don't. I don't think that's true. Oregon State was getting better last Jonathan year. Jonathan Smith's got a good thing yeah. brewing there. They went. They went five and seven. They were on their way up. If yeah, they, for them, that's good. Yeah, from where they've been. They. But I mean, that's still the, a losing program, and yeah. they've had many, many years of losing. And they could have gotten 
somebody else, that was much tougher. I, and I don't know. They could finish in last place. That's what I'm talking about. This season could be crazy. They're, you could get three, four critical guys who can't play, and they have to sit out because of COVID. And so who knows? That's my whole point. That's why I just went on that rant. So you can't take it at face value and say, oh, Jonathan Smith's team is improving. It had been, but what does that mean for this year? What does that mean that week that you play them? I have no idea. <laughs> or the Utes, they could have guys who are out because of what? Co- 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 COVID. I mean, you really have no clue. Where did so you Where can't, did this you come can't, from, by the way? You're going to try and make what? it a song, clearly. Yeah. Co- co- <laughs> it's co- the O'Reilly co- thing. I know, but... <laughs> If I could figure out my mind, all of us would be okay, much point. more at ease. <laughs> it makes me chuckle. <laughs> so, I, I don't know. I, I, I have to entertain myself. I have to keep my mind occupied off certain things in my life. So I do it by just fantasizing about their dreaming and I'm on an island somewhere. Who knows where I am mentally? <laughs> uh, I'm, in, I'm in San Bernardino. I could be anywhere at any given time. So that's the, but the whole point is you can't look at it like a regular year and say, "Wow, this team is improved." Or the Devils, they start two and zero. How do I know that? They, whomever, I don't want to name names as far as getting the virus, but you just you have no clue. I mean, we 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 may have no clue until Thursday, Friday of game day of game week, I should say, as far as uh, who's going to be available. Right? That's the whole point of that that big thing that I just went on. So I can't say we just saw they're going to have an easier yeah. time over this or that. We just saw it with the Patriots and Chiefs. There was all that yeah. anticipation, and then Cam Newton tests positive, and the game gets delayed a day, and it could have gone the way the Steelers and Titans have been postponed three weeks, and the NFL was able to work that out with the bye right. weeks. But to your point, the Pac-12 doesn't have it. So literally what we just saw this weekend in the NFL with two games, one, a quarterback is out and it's delayed a game, uh, delayed a day, and then in the other situation, yeah. it's delayed weeks, which the Pac-12 would just have to cancel it. And it's just right. I mean, they're they're playing December, the title game December eighteenth. What are they can do? Make some push it back a week and play on Christmas? No. Oh, that'd be sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas More Day Pac-12 football. <laughs> oh, we're not going to have five NBA games on Christmas Day this year. The commissioners made that pretty clear. So. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So I I need something to do. (laughs) (laughs) Back to old football, another game. Sorry about Christmas. Sorry about Christmas, Kyle. (laughs) Well, they they played the programs played on Christmas Day before, didn't they? They have. They also played the day after Christmas too. I think didn't they? uh, They were in a Vegas Bowl with SC. Was either Christmas Day or Christmas Eve? It was Christmas Day. It was was Christmas Christmas Day. Day. It was Christmas Day. Last year the Cougars played Christmas Eve. Correct. And the Utes played Christmas Day. Uh, and so there you go. I mean, that's uh, that's something that they did way back when. I think it's stupid to have that so close to the holiday. Yeah, I think it was like 10 to 7. I want to say it was Pete Carroll's first year, Carson Palmer, and then, then he took off with Norm Chow and won yeah. the Heisman and all that, and they, they're big-time buddies now. So, yeah, that's been done. BYU played in Detroit in the Motor City Bowl on the day after Christmas and had to fly out Christmas night. I was going to say there <laughs> that was, was the, the worst. game that the Utes played in Dallas the day after Christmas. That was a December yeah. 26th. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. In a rainy uh, stadium, it was all rain, rainy, freezing, rainy, empty yeah. stadium. Yeah, Cotton Bowl was seventy-two hundred people rattling. Was around, it like maybe eleven a.m. local time kick two or something like that? Good times, good times. Vegas Bowl goes screaming right past that one. All right, DJ and PK, it's ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The Zone, Dylan Colley, former Cougar wide receiver. 
We'll be talking BYU football in about 20 minutes right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Frank Dolce coming up at 8.30. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on The Zone Sports Network. There are a couple of reasons that I didn't become a doctor. Same reasons you what, didn't become what? a paleontologist. Why do you crack a smile and well, then I'm make just, a joke? I'm just saying like, yeah, there's a couple of reasons I wasn't a lawyer. Number one, the LSAT scared me. Number two, I thought I'd fell miserably. And number three, I didn't think I was smart enough. So yeah, there are just a couple of reasons why I didn't become a lawyer. Can I make a point without you attacking me? I'm not attacking you. Like you've never talked about wanting to be a doctor before. To me, this seems like you were just right on the cusp of going to medical school. And then just these one or two little things came up and made you think, no. I'm not going to do that. Doctor. 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 Can you not attack me? You know, it bugs me when you do that. Doctor. 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 Stop playing that. And doctor. Well, we miss anyone? Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. We don't need to talk about ourselves. Let everybody else do it. Whether it's positive or negative, let everyone else talk about it. We got to get things done. And I'm asking our players not to worry about what's being said out there. There's positive and negative things being said. Just focus on this game and focus on getting better. And that's all That's all I care about. I mean, that's there's no balance. The balance is you guys keep it balanced on what you say, you know, and we just focus on what we're trying to get done. Not saying that we don't listen to you guys. We appreciate what you guys do for promoting BYU football, but we're focused on the game. We're not focused on reading stuff about the past things that we've done. Join the big show Friday from 2 to 7 at the warehouse, 86 East University Parkway in Orem. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! So there's Kalani Sataki, 3-0. He does hear what's said. He does read what's said. And he played at BYU. He's lived in the community. Even though he's at Utah, he could still hear people talking about BYU. PK, he knows how all the compliments echo around the valley and bounce back to the players. If... I don't know that he can stop that. Maybe he can slow that a little. Maybe he can offset it a little bit, do whatever he can every week when he talks to the media. But the uh, the danger of the big head, the danger of getting patted on the back too much, there's a lot of people who have been waiting for BYU to be really good for a long time. And if they start to get a sniff of it, they're going to get fired up. And he knows that as well as anyone. Absolutely. I think we're seeing the evolution of uh, Kalani Sitake as a football coach here. Because it stands to reason that you listen to Brian. I remember Bronco talking about that six and six season. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. <laughs> and, and, you know, Bronco had a way of being so blunt, and sometimes it would get him in trouble because he wouldn't understand the ramifications of what he was saying. He'd have to come back and apologize for him. He called the fan base a bunch of ignoramuses that one time. Uh, but Kalani's now, what, in his fifth year? Is that what he's in now? Yes. And. He's been through more downs than ups. There's have been ups, but there hasn't been anything that has been able to been sustained. You know, they went nine and four that first year with Taysom and Jamal Williams, and those were Bronco guys. And since then, there's uh, been a lot of mediocrity, if not. Uh, there was a bad year in there. There was a bad year. Yeah. yeah, and so even last year. Ed Lamb came out in the beginning and said we were disappointed with last year, as they should be, because there's no way you should be beating the teams that you beat. That Tennessee wins looking better and better with each passing week uh, when you think about it. And they finished strong last year. They're, what, they're undefeated this year, and didn't their coach just get an extension? And Correct. obviously SC and, and uh, all that. And then you, you turn around and you lose to some teams that you just had no business losing to. And that would led to the bitterness of, 
disappointment. You can disappointment might be a mild word. So here he's been through that, and maybe he's seen some stuff that he should have done better. BYU football just resonates. I mean, it resonates with BYU fans, obviously, but I actually think BYU football resonates more with Utah fans than Utah football resonates more with BYU fans because a lot of BYU fans, they're not from around here. They don't give a crap about the Utes or what have you. They're not, uh, they don't, they don't even pay attention. Whereas a lot of the Ute fans, they grew up here. And so naturally, if you grew up here, you're going to be more inclined to at least have a mild, if not, uh, uh, strong interest in the team down south as they were called and i guess kyle still refers to them that way so uh it stands to reason that anything they do is going to be news i mean i could i've told the story of tom homo's wife when they were in the bay area all those years as a player a coach at the pro college level but that they could go just about anywhere and nobody bugged him. And here they go out, and he's just getting constantly bugged left and right. And Bronco got smothered by it, too. And I think he enjoys just being a guy back in Virginia as opposed to being the BYU football coach. So the point is that everything gets back to them. And Kalani is going to take great pains to make sure that these guys understand that's all nice, but as far as this week, it doesn't mean squat. And we lost games we should have won. And I'm not going to let that happen on my watch. So I think he's playing it in a manner in which it needs to be played, and it's shrewd. Now, he's not going to cop an attitude with the media, at least not yet, because A, that's not his personality. B, he's done nothing to be able to do it. You can't be a jerk to the media if you suck. That just (laughs) means you're fired, right? Yeah, I mean, Popovich wasn't doing those sideline interviews, acting like a complete you-know-what until they started winning titles, right? And so once you got leverage, you use it. So Kalani doesn't really have leverage, so he can't. I don't know if it's in his personality to do it, even if he had the leverage and the success. Obviously, Lavelle Edwards, the answer was resoundingly no. And for Ron McBride to local media, the is no. And Kyle Whittingham, he wanted to go at media early on, but some people got to him, and, and he learned that it's just not worth it. Forget it. It's a waste of time. It's like Kevin O'Connor told me told me to my face uh, when we made the move from 1280 over to the fan, and then we started doing the show. He said to me, he said, you know, if I'm winning, there's nothing I need to worry about you. And if I'm losing, you can't help me anyway. <laughs> so I'm not going to worry about what you say or do because it doesn't matter. If I'm winning, I'm good. If I'm losing, I'm in trouble. And so that's the way Kyle figured it out. And so he's got the media in the palm of his hands. That guy's transformation has been sensational. Oh, total and complete. Yeah. So different. I had to do a story once with him in his office. And it was right after the Trib did that story about the Utes digging a hole. And so they, uh, they it was Photoshopping was new in those days. But they had a... Um, they had a backhoe, and they had like a hole dug in the middle of the field at Rice-Eccles Stadium. Kyle did not like that, and he was mad at Michael C. Lewis. I'm like, Michael C. Lewis didn't do that graphic. There's no way he did that graphic. graphic he's furious, and now, and now he's joking with people on Zoom, and he's just he's greeted national members by name in the middle of post-game press conferences. Now it's like a masterclass in PR. Yeah, and look at the way the Utes, and they started managing this in 
not this most recent spring, but the spring prior, because he knew full well. He'd been in the conference enough years now. He knew who was coming back, who he had coming back, who the other teams had coming back, and he knew that his team would be the overwhelming favorite, which they were. Where they received like 32 of the 35 votes, and obviously it came to pass. They fulfilled it. They ran through the South except for the one game, and they were the best team. Now, they started preparing that mentally months, literally months before, back in the winter prior to the 2019 season. So that stuff is important, and Kalani's not answering any of these questions because he doesn't want to be bothered, and he's absolutely right. It's the right thing to do, and he's handling it in a manner in which it needs to be handled. Do you think it's more bothering him, or do you think he's worried about the impact it'll have on his players? I think it's the players, yes. Because he's been on enough games, he knows – a quote-unquote bad team can rise up and win a game, and he knows sure. a really good team can blow a winnable game. He's been on both yes. sides of that multiple times. But you look at the players and you think, how much do they know? Now, to the point that the third-year guys that we've been talking about, three years with the same coaches, three years getting, if not starting, getting a lot of snaps, they've kind of been on both sides of it too. I mean, it's it was a rush at the end of the Tennessee game in USC. They literally rushed the field. Uh, but it was such a downer after Toledo and, and South Florida and Hawaii. You know? Amen. And so you're up, you're down. You know, that, that loss sucked. But then you bounce back and beat Boise State. And so yeah. even – you know, you're always coaching your team when you're in the media if you're, mm-hmm. if you're doing it right. In my opinion, you should be. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder how much of this when he says that uh, – He's talking to the media on Zoom, but he's really thinking, how is this going to sound when my players hear it? And will their roommates hear it? Will their parents hear it? Will their brothers and sisters hear it? Because the echo chamber from those folks can get pretty loud in a 19-year-old's head. Yep. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Dylan Colley coming up next. We'll talk Cougars with him and then Utes with Frank Dolce at 830. Stay with us.